I want you to look at verse 9 with me. If you've never read your Bible or maybe um, you don't know what 1 Corinthians is about, it's actually a pastor named Paul who's writing a letter to a church um, about kind of just some of the things. It would be like myself or Hayden um, writing a letter to you guys because we weren't here, giving you instructions about what it means to follow Jesus. This is exactly what we're doing. We're looking at Paul's mail kind of in a sense, when you read this book. And we come to an interesting part um, where it says this. I'm reading from the NLT version, just so you guys know if you have a different one. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. And this is what it says. It says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were, everybody say were. Some of you were once like that. We'll come back to that later. But you were cleansed, you were made holy, and you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Can you say amen with me? Corinth was a, was a city that was going through a lot of different things, given by the evidence of the, the list that was listed um, in, verses, in verse 10. Whether it was sexual sin, whether it was cheating, whether it was greediness, but one of the things that it does mention um, in it is homosexuality as well. That, that was something that was common for the day and age, even then, um, to walk through. And I would just say that when it comes to talking about LGBTQ, that this is the topic I've personally spoken on the most out of any other topic as a pastor. Um, it's the one that I get the most questions about. It's the one that most students often want to hear about because they want to know what the Lord thinks about it. There are um, a lot of different things that come of it. There are a lot of diverse perspectives when it comes to homosexuality. And what I mean by that when I say that there are diverse perspectives is that people can be acquainted with it in their everyday lives and have different experiences. Amen? That, for example, maybe there's someone in here. um, There's a variety of different people and perspectives in this room that I want to be sensitive and loving to. But there could be someone in this room, for example, that could be struggling with homosexuality and they've never told anyone. And they look around the room and say, they knew what I've done or what I've thought or what I've been tempted by. They would judge me. Simultaneously, there could be someone in this room who proclaims to be a Christian and says, I don't see how that's a sin. Simultaneously, you could have someone in this room who was hurt by the LGBTQ community. And so now they're extremely angry at them and they're against anything. Simultaneously, there's another person in this room who is angry at the church for the way that they've treated LGBTQ and that community. And so there's a bend that way. And so could you guys, can you nod your heads with me? Could you see how there could be a variety of different perspectives and different opinions um, and perspectives all together? There are. And that's something that we recognize when we talk about this subject. And our heart behind it um, isn't just to represent one or the other. But our goal is to show where Jesus is in this. What does the Bible say about it? And ultimately, where does God's love resolve or remain in a subject like this? And so I would just ask one thing of you guys, that when we talk about a subject like this, to be respectful 
um, of what is being said, but also be respectful to the people around the room. One of the things is you don't know what the person next to you is thinking necessarily when it comes to this subject, which is why it's so important to be respectful of the subject. Can I get an amen if that's you? A loud amen? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, we want to respect one another when it comes down to it. So we look at this passage where it's mentioned. I think one of the best ways that I'm just going to go about this this morning, um, the simplest way is to have a series of questions that we're just going to answer and walk through. Does that sound good? So the first question is simple. Um, What is homosexuality or what is LGBTQ? Maybe you're someone that has never actually dove into what that topic is. Homosexuality is a reference to um, same-gender sex or sexual attractions. Lesbian, gay, uh, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning is another way that it's been referred to. And so it could cover a variety of different things. Um, It doesn't just necessarily uh, cover who you have sexual attraction to. It also covers maybe who you identify with your gender. So you would say that you're male or you're female or you're both um, or something different. That's, that's what LGBTQ is referring to in that sense. And so one of the things about um, homosexuality is that the Bible talks about it and it mentions it even from the very beginning of the Bible. Um, God talks about gender. God talks about sexuality as we t- uh, dove into this last week where the word says that God made them male and female. We dove into sexuality in the context of marriage. But what you also see after the fall of it is you see the presence of homosexuality and LGBTQ, even amongst the stories and the narratives that were told of the day and age that were happening around them. As well, you see mentions of it happening throughout the uh, New Testament. You see it even mentioned in a scripture right here. And so all that says is that the topic of homosexuality is one that is prevalent in the Bible, this isn't necessarily something that is new happening in the past 20 to 30 to 40 years, but this is something that has been prevalent in the world around us. I think one of the major differences to that day versus this day is that um, our society and our culture has ventured to categorize it as a gender or um, as something that you would claim over yourself, which is where I think a lot of the discussion has come from that it's not just, well, it's a sin or that's automatically wrong, that the discussion in our day and age in our nation has come to a place like that. And so all that to say, the next question is this, um, is LGBTQ a sin? Um, this is one that I get asked very often. And what I would say to that is when you look at a biblical perspective, it is a sin. Um, that's something that's not my personal opinion. I would use this term, there is a biblical consistency, is the way that I would use to describe it, that from the beginning of the Bible all the way through, that there's a consistency in not only what is said about homosexuality, but there is a consistency about um, how it's portrayed in the point of story, whether it was Sodom and Gomorrah, or whether it's New Testament teachings um, about it. And so that's something that I get asked a lot about. I actually printed off something from Focus on the Family that gave a great summary of that. If that's something that you're wondering about, or maybe you think, well, what about people who say there are verses in the Bible against it? Um, There's definitely explanation for that, but we don't have time to go into all of those explanations. What I would just say is we'll have these in the back if this is something that you want. 
Um, another thing that I think was really interesting um, mentioned and taught to me personally is that even in the places where it doesn't necessarily talk about homosexuality, it does talk about sexuality in itself. And so one of the often criticisms of why LGBTQ is innocent is, well, Jesus never talked about it. And it says, but to that I would just go as far as to say is Jesus did talk about sexuality and he did talk about marriage, which are one of the same. And he said it was between a male and a female. He mentions that in Mark chapter 10. And so that's a pretty evident claim of what it is. But here's something interesting as well that I want to talk about. Homosexuality and LGBTQ may be considered a sin by a biblical standard, but it's not the only sin. If you look at this passage, even that we went through, it could be easy to look at um, homosexuality and go, that's one of the main sins. But look at some of the other things that are even mentioned. Adultery, idols, sexual sin, greed, drunkards, abusive, Cheaters are things that are put along line this list of sins. And I think what's important to understand is that sinning differently than someone doesn't make you better or worse than anyone. Can I get an amen to that? Just because someone may struggle with something differently than you doesn't mean that their sin is any worse, and it doesn't mean that God loves them any less. Um, Sin, in general, makes everyone unworthy of heaven And because of that, everyone needs a Savior, no matter how they may sin or however weak they may be um, in their own journey and in their own faith. We all need a Savior, and we're all saved by grace. The minute that we could save ourselves is the minute that we could judge other people and tell them that they're not saved or they're not as good as us, which is not what God has in in store for us. And I would even go as far as to say, I want to speak this as a pastor to you guys. I think that the church, I'm talking about in a general sense, this doesn't include everyone because there are amazing pastors and there are amazing Christians out there. But I think in a general sense, there has been an understanding that homosexuality or LGBTQ is a worser sin than other ones. And for that, if you're in this room and you're struggling um, with LGBTQ in any way, or maybe you've been hurt by seeing one of your friends get hurt by that, I just want to apologize to you, and that breaks my heart as a pastor because, and that that keeps me up at night because this is the one place where everyone is supposed to walk in and immediately feel the love of God. Doesn't mean that we're not honest about what we believe in, but this is the place, this is the place where everyone is supposed to walk in and be loved no matter who they are because they are created by God, and that is more than enough to lay down your life for someone. Jesus felt that way, and so do we. I um, have personally experienced that with friends in my own life, and it it breaks my heart. I have a friend of mine, one of my closest friends, actually. um, He was molested as a child, and he struggled with homosexuality his entire time growing up. He gave his life to the Lord when he was young, um, and he was telling me this story just a couple years ago where he was meeting up with this guy from work, and this guy from work... um, was saying, you know, I love you so much. I wanna, I'm here for you. I want to know your whole story. I want to pursue Jesus with you. And then one day they were meeting. They were meeting on a weekly basis up to this point. And he opened up about some of the things that happened to him as a kid and about some of the things that he struggled with, um, with homosexuality personally for him, what he had looked at, what he engaged in, and how the Lord had been redeeming him. The very next week, He texted him. He's like, hey, you ready to meet? And he told him, he says, I actually don't want to hang out with you ever again. 
knowing what happened. And that's heartbreaking to myself. And I know that's heartbreaking to you guys because I believe that God loves everyone in this room, no matter how we fall short, no matter how we find our struggle in, in our lives. And I believe that God can redeem everyone if you put your hope and trust in him. Amen. Next question, can you be born LGBTQ? This is one that I get very often. Um, One of the resources that I used as well was definitely the Word of God. Um, That's always going to be our resource, but I would just recommend you guys. I'll have this for you to look at after service. This is a book by um, a psychiatrist and a counselor named Mark Yarhouse called Homosexuality and the Christian. He is someone who has been a counselor for over 30 years of families and people who have struggled with LGBTQ in their lives or feel same-sex attraction or struggle with gender identity. And so he offers a biblical perspective, but I haven't found anything um, as also loving as well as this perspective. I think it's very informative. And he actually does a lot of research. He has a lot of connections um, into the scientific field about homosexuality. And this was one of the questions that was asked of him. And what he said was this. He said, I don't know. He said, you can't know for sure. And now that he's not saying, I don't know. Like, I've never thought about it before. But... There are, a different, there are a wide variety of different places that you could attribute homosexuality or gender identity issues to. You know that people who have been sexually abused, um, people who have had issues with their parents, whether they were absent, negligent, have contributed to that. And so those are all active cases. But at the same time, there are times when people just wait, like are born and they were raised in an amazing family and they struggle with it. And so to just say, well, it's just people who've been abused or people who are misinformed, I think sells it short. And so to say that it's because of one thing or the other that you're born this way, I don't think is necessarily accurate. So what he says is, it's we don't know. You can't say for certain with one person or the other or for everyone as if there's a general idea. But what I would say about questions about can you be born with something, I would personally say that while you may not know, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're born a certain way um, because one of the things that happens with all of us and what the word says is that we're born into sin. And so because of that, we have a sinful nature about us that we're born into, and that doesn't necessarily make it right. For example, everybody say for example. For example, if some, did you know that if someone was an alcoholic and they had a kid, studies show that their, four, their kid is four times as likely to be an alcoholic as a family who wasn't. Now, does that make drinking okay? No, it doesn't. In fact, some studies have shown that violence um, and extreme anger and even things as, as extreme as murder can be traced genetically. It doesn't make those things necessarily okay, Otherwise, we could just say, hey, this is me, and I'm going to go murder people. Or, hey, I'm going to go drink and throw my life away. doesn't mean that it's right, necessarily. What it means is that we're all born into sin, whatever sin that we're born into. And we all have weaknesses that we're working through and certain things that we have to bring to the Lord more than others in our life. And so to say that, well, if someone's born that way, doesn't that make it okay, isn't necessarily what we believe in in the first place as well. And so, as well with that, this is one of my favorite questions, and I think one of the most informative. If you feel sexual temptation to the same gender or to change gender, does that mean you are sinning and that something is wrong with you? 
And I want to say this. Um, I think this one is a point on the board. There is a difference between what you're tempted by and what you choose to identify with. There is a major difference between being tempted by something and choosing that life for yourself and saying, this is who I am. Because the truth of the matter is everyone is tempted by different things in their own lives. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's the case. And so, for example, if a dude um, is tempted to lust at a woman, does that mean that he's an adulterer necessarily just by being tempted? Or if a woman is tempted to look, does it mean that you're an adulterer all of a sudden because you're feeling a temptation or weakness to look at that person in a lustful way? No, it doesn't. In fact, the word would go as far as to say is that Jesus was tempted and that he was found with no sin. And so there's a difference between being tempted, between the thoughts in your head, and giving way to them and choosing them. The best way I would use to describe it, um, Holly, do you want to put up that slide about, just take drinking, for example. This would be an example of temptation versus identifying with. Temptation. I have a strong urge to drink. Drinking is something that um, has been a stronghold in my family that I'm very very cautious about, um, and that I've worked through in my own life. So I just decided to use that as an example, but I have an urge to drink. I know it's wrong, but it's really hard to say no. I guard against being in the wrong situations with the wrong people where I can make a bad choice. You could even go as far as say, I've made mistakes in the past that I'm not proud of, but I want, I want to seek redemption, but I'm not sure what that looks like. That would be that side of it. But identifying would be saying drinking is okay. It's who I am part of my life. I'm okay with it. I don't see it as wrong. I'll drink whenever I get a chance. And so do you guys, can I get an amen if you see that difference between being tempted by something versus choosing to identify? In fact, there's something um, very interesting that's attributed to kids who struggle with same-sex attraction or LGBTQ. They call it the gay script. And it's this idea that if a kid is growing up in America, oftentimes they find themselves in this place where at some point in their life, they start feeling same-sex attraction. Wherever that is, whether that's in their teenage years or in their 20s or whether they're young, they start feeling it, but they don't know what to do with it. They're not sure about how to feel or whether it's wrong. And for those who grow up in the church, for example, they could hear this message that homosexuality is the worst sin of all. Being LGBTQ is the worst thing. You won't be accepted. Or they've witnessed something where someone who struggled with that was treated differently than someone who struggled with something else like pornography. And so in their mind, they think, well, if they weren't loved, maybe I'm not loved because of the things that I'm struggling with. This is all while professing Jesus in their own lives, but they're just struggling with it. But eventually they decide after a while, after so much struggling and not knowing what to do, not talking about it, getting trapped, that they decide to say, I'm just going to identify with it. And so there's a difference between having temptations in your life versus choosing to identify with something And that's really key to know because oftentimes we could look at someone who is struggling with temptation and say, oh, you're gay or you're lesbian or you're bisexual. But that's not necessarily true. So if I'm tempted to look at pornography or someone is, that doesn't make you identify with that necessarily. It just means that you would stumble in that way or you have a weakness to it. And I want us to look at this passage again in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, because this is where it comes full circle Paul is criticizing their weaknesses. He says, this is not kingdom of God living. These are sins that are before you. It's indulging in sexual sin. It's worshiping idols, committing adultery, prostitution, thieves, greedy people. And then he says, and that is what you were. 
Can I ask you a question? Did anything necessarily change in their behavior? Paul wasn't just addressing, and now you guys are perfect. He said, you forgot who you identify in. And what it says in the NIV version, I love this. It says, you were washed by the blood of Jesus. It says, you were sanctified and you were justified. Can you put that up, Holly? The verse, it says, you were washed by Jesus' blood. You were forgiven when you put your hope in him no matter what you were struggling with it says you were sanctified it was like you were made holy before the lord no matter what your weaknesses were and then my favorite part justified god is the one that's justifying you and so an enemy would say well you struggle with this you're you're this this is who you are this is who you identify with and god stands in the gap and says no you don't yeah they may have a weakness to it but they've put their hope in me and so i'm their justification So there's a major difference between maybe struggling with something and temptation-wise versus choosing to identify with something. And that's important to know because um, oftentimes people will say, well, if you feel an attraction to something, then you're that thing, which isn't necessarily true. It's not true in other things of our lives, and it's not true of that one also. Can I get an amen to that? Another interesting one, can someone who deals with LGBTQ change when they come to Jesus? Absolutely. There are so many different cases of that that happen around the world. There are so many cases of people who struggle their entire life, and then they come to know Jesus. They enter into counseling, or they enter into some professionals who can help walk with them. In fact, Jamie was telling me about someone she knew who runs a ministry in Medford, Oregon, that specifically targets people who struggle with LGBTQ and wants to follow Jesus and find healing in that. That's a common thing. But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be this instantaneous healing thing. Whenever we talk about healing that happens in our lives, we talk about this journey in this lifelong process. And so for some people, it's something that takes a lot of work and a lot of digging and a lot of years to be able to work through that. I know a pastor of mine um, he's an incredible pastor, but when he was younger, he struggled with cocaine and heroin, actually. And then he came to know Jesus later in his life. And he did the 12-step process. He did AA and all that. But even today as a pastor, twice a week, he'll make sure that he sits down and he goes through his 12-step process because he knows that he has a weakness to that in his life. That doesn't disqualify him from being a pastor by any means. It's just recognizing these are my weaknesses, this is who I identify in, and this is who I'm pursuing. And I think there's something beautiful about that, that God can heal it. But even in the process of you growing and even of you healing, no matter how long it may take, God is with you. And that's an important thing because oftentimes we can think about sin that God will only be good with you when you're perfect tomorrow. God is actually good with you today in your weakness and in your incompleteness and in the places where you feel like I could really grow in this. God goes, yes, you can, but just know you're more than enough in me right now. But I think one, there are some things that can happen to help experience real change in your life. There are two things I would say. It starts with putting your identity in Jesus, like we just talked about, that no matter what temptations, no matter what mistakes you've made, that it starts with putting your identity and letting God transform you from the inside out, whatever that looks like. Because when you trust in Jesus, no matter where you come from, you're a son or you're a daughter of the living God, and there's no question about that. But I think another thing that will help a lot and that God often uses is a church for where there is a safe place for someone to come in. 
This is something that is addressed to everyone and addressed to us as a church. If you call on Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm talking to you right now that it is on us as a community. It's not just on myself personally or the volunteer leaders. It is on all of us. Can you say all? It's on all of us to create a safe place for people to walk in. And I want you to think about for a minute, if someone were to walk into this room struggling with homosexuality or even was choosing to identify with it, that we should be the most loving people and the most accepting people to them simply because they're created by God. Personally, in my life, I grew up making a lot um, of jokes against homosexuality. I watched a lot of shows. I would call my friends gay or fags or things like that. And there was a point in my life where I felt a real conviction of the Lord of how terrible that was and what kind of room did I create and what kind of space did I create for someone? Because put yourself in their shoes for one second. Imagine you were struggling with something and you listened to your friends using gay slurs with one another or just not being trustworthy, not being safe and looking at them and going, I got it. I'll never tell them. They lack the maturity and the safety to be able to share that with me. I think one of the biggest moments um, for me as a pastor that really shaped me was when I was in the college ministry, and I was discipling this young guy. I'll call him Tom. Um, And Tom actually, he just called me after Sunday service. He's like, bro, I need to talk to you now. And so we met at the house, and he flat out opened up to me and says, you know what, I'm really struggling with homosexuality. He actually told me, he says, I'm in love with you, and I have same-sex attraction to you personally. And that was a moment right there when I was sitting there is like, First of all, I looked at him, and I knew my personal struggles with pornography. I knew my personal sexual struggles and my inappropriate relations with women growing up. So how could I I dare judge someone? But instead said, no, I feel you, man. I get that. And I told him that I loved him as a brother, and I got to hug him right there. I got to lift him up. He wanted to pursue Jesus, and that's exactly what we did together. But I think that how important is it for this space to be a place where people could say, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is the depth of my mess. And for us to go, we get it. We know our own shortcomings. We know our own places where we fail as Christians. And I think that brings us together and makes us strong. The minute that you think your sin makes you different from other people is the minute that you begin to disassociate with one another. You say, I'm nothing like you because I sin this way. But when you recognize that sin breaks us all the same way as every person, homosexual or not, you begin to associate, you're like, you get me. You know what I'm going through and what it feels like to fall short of the glory of God and need to accept his grace over me. And so I think that's, that's a major thing. And I would just say to you guys to take personal inventory over the way you talk. Not just to people who might struggle with it, but the people that are your friends around you. Because did you know that people who struggle with that are watching the way you interact with your friends? So if you make a gay slur to one of your friends who obviously isn't going to take it personal, doesn't mean that they didn't. And so creating a safe place for them to know that they're being loved. And I would just, I would challenge you this. This is a good question for me. What if someone you are really close to in this group um, or in this church came out? Do you think that you would be a safe enough person and a trustworthy enough person by the way that you live your life that they could come out to you? That's a question that convicts me and really guides the way that I live my life, and I hope it guides your life as well. And so here's the thing with it. Another way that we can create a safe environment for people who struggle, that's one of the other questions up there. How do you create a safe environment? 
I think it's just humility, like I said, as well as creating a trustworthy environment. Those are good questions to ask yourself. And then I have two more questions for you. What if I have a friend who says they're Christian and they say that homosexuality isn't a sin necessarily? So this is becoming a lot more common of a discussion. One, I would just say, don't be afraid to have the discussion. I think we live in a day and age where we can respect people that we might disagree with. Uh, but it starts with understanding that you love and you want the best for that person. And so just telling them or judging them the exact same way you judge someone else isn't helpful to the discussion. In fact, what I would do for you is just share with them through the word and the biblical consistency if it is. And if you're sitting in, you're like, I don't even know what it says in the Bible. Well, isn't this a great opportunity for you to be able to dive into the word and understand it for yourself? I think it's something of a key and something of a rest. Because if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what I believe in, but I'm not going to open the Bible. Well, then you'll never know because you're not willing to dig into God's word. And the other thing about it, I would just say um, for ourselves is this. We're not, we don't believe that homosexuality is a sin because of our own personal opinions. We're trusting the word of God and what it says. And so we're looking for what God says just like what it says it isn't a sin necessarily or what other things are a sin. Because the minute that you would say that, well, I believe this is a sin, but I don't believe that this is a sin. Now the word isn't necessarily the authority, but actually you're the authority about what sin is and what sin isn't. And that's no different from the rest of the world necessarily that doesn't believe in Jesus. Because the minute that you pick and choose and say, well, I feel like this is a sin. Well, I don't feel like this is a sin because it's comfortable for you or not comfortable. or You can understand it or not understand it. Is the minute that you're not even listening to the Bible anymore. You're just listening to yourself. So I'd encourage you to dig into the word to be able to understand that. Um, Take that as a chance to dive into the word and understand it for yourself along with all the other things. Don't just trust something is true because I tell you. Trust it's true because the Bible says so. Um, The Bible is a whole lot better of a foundation than myself or any of the other leaders that are around us or any of the talking heads around us because this is God's word for us and God's foundation. And so it's okay to dig. It's okay to get into the word, but it starts with your ability to want to dig into it, which I believe that you're all very much capable of. Amen? You guys are all adults. You guys are amazing in this room. And then there's the last point that I would just make. How do you treat someone who is LGBTQ that doesn't know Jesus? This is easy. Um, You lay down your life for them. What did Jesus do for the entire world when they were sinning and they were in utter rebellion against them? The word says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what it is. You love them unconditionally. You show them the love of a God that loves you that same way. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you can speak to the truth of who Jesus is. doesn't mean necessarily that if somebody says, well, is it a sin? You don't lie to them, but you tell them the truth. But make sure that your life and your love backs up what you're saying. So you can say, you know what? This is the truth, and you might live in contrast to it, but that doesn't stop me from loving you because God loves everyone, and God lays down his life for everyone around us. Ultimately, people listen to our words, but whether our words are affirmed or denied and we get deemed hypocrites or genuine are by our actions. And so I think that's why it's so important to make that decision before and to say, you know what? If someone walks in here and they're LGBTQ, I'm going to love them unconditionally. I'm going to lay down my life for them. 
as I would anyone else. I'm going to call up Jamie and the worship team. You guys can go ahead and put away um, your Bibles. You can go ahead and put away phones and things of that nature. We're going to respond now. But I think one of the takeaway points of this, I know I gave you guys a lot of information, and I hope that the Lord spoke to you this morning. I know he was speaking this morning, but you know what? I would just say if someone had to sum up what this was about and what God's heart is this, there are many sins and there are many shortcomings in the world, but there's one God that's an answer to all of them. And whatever you're struggling with in this room, whatever you feel makes you unworthy of the Lord, what you're presently going through, your fears about the future, we serve a God who gives us freedom, not by our actions, but by choosing to identify with him. I've made so many mistakes in my life um, sexually growing up. I've made so many mistakes in so many different areas of my life. But those aren't the things that define me. I'm not my sin. I'm not my past. I am who I put my hope and choose to believe in. And that's Jesus. And Jesus is strong enough to cover your sin and cover your shame and cover your past and your mistakes and your present weaknesses. So I want us to just close our eyes together. And I want to read a verse over you guys. Jesus would speak an incredible word. And he would say, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And he says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe you're here this morning and we know that there are so many different perspectives, but maybe God spoke to you in where you're at. Maybe you're someone who has felt same-sex attraction or is struggling or has chosen to identify and because you thought that by your temptation, you had to identify with that. Did you know that we're all tempted and we all fall short? But what makes us a Christian family is by putting our hope in Jesus. And so maybe you're here this morning and you feel the call to put your hope in Jesus this morning. Maybe you're someone who is a part of the discussion and maybe you've been hurt by one community or the other. Or maybe you're someone that hasn't been creating a safe environment for people and you have to ask for forgiveness this morning and just say, Lord, I repent. Lord, I turn from that. That wasn't right of me to just carelessly say those words with my friends and that we want to create a safe environment. The truth of the matter is that God is here and that God forgives us and he has grace for us the same way over anyone in any sin. And so Jesus, we praise you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you for the person on our left and on our right, that God, no matter what they're struggling with, that we get to love them the same way that Jesus does. Lord, we thank you that you cover us all. Lord, we thank you for the honesty of your word. Your word says that Jesus came full of truth, but he also came full of grace. We thank you for both of them. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray together. Everyone said, amen. Let's stand together as we worship.